Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast, presenting the very best recorded panels and seminars related to game design and publishing. These panels have been made possible thanks to the kind contributions of the panel speakers and Metatopia 2021. Episode 344, International Co-Publishing Agreements. Presented by Jason Pitt, Ray Najadi, and Sean Nittner, with regrets from J-Dragon. Right. Well, welcome everyone to International Co-Publishing Agreements with Jason Pitt, Jamila Najadi, Sean Nittner, and uh, in uh, Jay Dragon's absence, I believe there's an adorable cat. So uh, the uh, three of us are going to be talking about the three very different uh, agreements that we've made um, for co-publishing um, games with uh, Jamila of uh, Sword Queen Games. So, to start this off, um, let's just quickly introduce ourselves and our uh, projects that we're uh, co-developing, co-publishing. Um, for myself, my name is Jason Pitt, Genesis of Legend Publishing, and I'm currently working with Jamie on the co-publishing of uh, once more into the void, which successfully kickstarted uh, earlier on this year, uh, which is uh, Jamie's love letter to Mass Effect Two. So, Sean, uh, sorry, uh, Jamie, why don't you introduce uh, our haunt since that one's live? Yeah, actually. So, uh, I also am lucky enough to co- be co-publishing with Possum Creek Games. Uh, who are best known for Wander Home and Sleepaway and several other games. So uh, I will say first and foremost that uh, I will do my best to represent the agreement that I have with uh, with Possum Creek Games. But if I mess up any details, that's totally on me. Uh, but yeah, so basically our haunt is about uh, some ghosts that are haunting an old mansion together. It's live on Kickstarter right now. We have, I think Kickstarter went to the 70 hours left, like kind of dramatic. Uh, we have a few days left to that Kickstarter. Um, yeah. And so, and last but not least, of course, there's, uh, I'm also working with Sean and Evil Hat. So Sean, if you could uh, talk about our project. Absolutely. Um, so Jamie, uh, so I'm Sean Nittner. I use he him pronouns. Um, I am the director of products for Evil Hat. And um, I'm uh, working with Jamie on Apocalypse Keys. Which is a game that I personally fell in love with by way of Bollock Bion. So I remember we were talking about Bollock Bion. We were really excited about that. And then Jim was like, I kind of have this other game too. And I was like, hey, let's play it. And we played it. And I was like, oh my God, Jeremy, can we have this game? Please, 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 and, uh, and yeah, and, and so Apocalypse Keys is um, a game about, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I love the idea of presenting your game and you getting to tell me whether I did it right or not. Um, it right. It's a game about uh, monsters who are trying to stave off the apocalypse, uh, but, but 
but in doing so may sort of become the monster themselves. So that is one like story art. That is one like thread of the arc of the game that I think will feel like very, very familiar um, uh, to, to folks is like, you know, like when you look at the abyss, careful the abyss doesn't look back. Um, you know, sort of the cowboy metaphor of like, if you leave society to protect it, you can't really rejoin it. You know, you, you become the thing that you fight. But then there's another equally important thread of the of the story, which is like these extremely lonely creatures who are just like 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 the loneliness that like Superman feels where he's like, if I breathe too hard, I'll destroy the world around me. And I really want to love and be loved and to feel like I have a home and a family, but um there's no like there's no easy way to do that. Like you have to like that's like a trial by fire because you have to be like can you actually endure all of my power and also all of my like obligations and, and, and issues? Can you, can you accept me as this like whole package? Um, can I be the kind of person who can love and be loved? And, uh, and that is, there's one playbook who really focused on that, but in my feeling, like all the playbooks have that, like have that as, as like, as like part of their core. Uh, so it's this beautiful emotional story of like people trying to connect um, as well as like monsters saving off the apocalypse, uh, it's absolutely beautiful. You know, it's every every like Pacific Rim, like the apocalypse. You know, is is ended today. Like yeah, moment. Plus all of the like, I just want to tell you how I feel, but I don't know how. Uh, yeah, that's it's beautiful. That, that's that's apocalypse case. Uh, oh my gosh, that was perfect. Yeah. Oh, like, excellent. But glad to glad I, I captured it right. And yes, if folks are in chat, um, Jason just posted, hit us the questions. We'd love to. I mean, we'll, we'll go over our individual sticks, but like, we'd love to know what you're what you're wearing as well. Um, so yeah, Jason said yeah. we have a bunch of different agreements and different ways we approach this. Jason, do you want to talk about how uh, Genesis Legend and and Jamie uh, working on Once More in the Void? Yeah, thank you. Uh, so. Um, a key thing to note is that Genesis of Legend Publishing is just starting up the process of uh, co-publishing uh, with other designers and publishing studios. Um, we're relatively uh, new in that domain. We've been around for a decade, but typically it's our own uh, in-house projects. So this was an interesting challenge. Uh, the way that we arranged it was... Uh, Genesis of Legend Publishing is handling all of the core publishing tasks. These include establishing the Kickstarter campaign, monitoring the Kickstarter campaign, including dealing with uh, comments and uh, backer updates, etc. Setting up the budgets, uh, coordinating printing and all, uh, all contracts and all budgets. Um, and generally, um, we took the we were on the forefront of the marketing side of things. So our job was to give Jamie as designer the space to work and to design his game to the best of his abilities. Um, by contrast, Jamie was handling all of the playtesting, all of the game design, all of the writing. Um, and uh, was uh, working with um, our uh, consultants 
um, Avery Alder, who has provided a ton of brilliant feedback, um, as well as working with our in-house editor uh, to review and revise the text to get that in place. Now, uh, I'm also uh, providing some assistance. We're doing some joint review, talking through problems, etc. So I, I'm sticking my hand in a little bit on the design side, but just in a supportive uh, function, more of a wall that Jamie can throw his ideas off, uh, bounce his ideas off. So um, that's generally where we're set up. Now, the way that we handled the compensation is rather interesting. And I think that one of the reasons why I wanted us to have this panel was to show that there were a variety of different models that work well for North American publishers to work with and support um, particularly designers from the Global South and designers from areas who are underserved um, for things like Kickstarter as a platform, um, distribution, etc. So the approach that we took was uh, we went in and we budgeted all of the labor that is going into the development of the game, including all of the labor that's gone into it so far. We broke it down into a number of days worth of work for each of the individual components. So uh, we've got, I think we had something like 12 days worth of uh, writing work that Jamie had already completed. And then we had a standard payout, a uh, standard per day rate that was paid out. Uh, to everyone who was working on the project based on the number of hours worth of labor they were putting into it. And we paid that out immediately upon receipt of the Kickstarter funding. All of the remaining money uh, was kept aside for the printing, the shipping, and the potential profit. Uh, on paper, uh, the approach was that um, Jamie would get 80% of the profit and Genesis of Legend would get 20%. And as part of this agreement, Genesis of Legend waived all but $1 for the publishing tasks um, out of recognition of a number of factors. I, I mean, a good part of it was um, Justice of Legend Publishing is using Once More Into the Void as uh, fantastic marketing and something that fills our publication schedule. So that gives us a lot more space. Uh, it's been dramatically easier on my end because for this, this project, I didn't have to work... Oh, and uh, Jamie's also doing the layout. Uh, so I didn't have to do the writing... I didn't have to do nearly as much of the design work. I don't have to do the layout. I don't have to do the art direction. So it's dramatically easier on my end, uh, coming from the perspective of someone who's normally done everything. Um, so it, it's been easier, and it worked out fairly well that way. Um, now, on other projects, um, taking the 20% 
of the net profit at the end of things would be reasonable. But um, I, I didn't think it was appropriate in this context. So hence why um, uh, we reduced that down to a uh, dollar of token um, compensation for that. Now, the interesting bit uh, that I think folks might be uh, might want to model is I also um, have gotten the ability to purchase print copies uh, at cost from Jammy from the print run for use uh, for sale through distribution. So I am. Uh, given that Jamie doesn't have an extensive set of distribution partners, um, I'm buying copies from Jamie and then selling them into distribution. This means that I can purchase exactly the number of copies that I need, and I'm getting all of the economies of scale. So that is actually going to be where the profit is coming in for my business. I was just going to ask, Jason, so that means uh, the the split is off of the Kickstarter proceeds, but going forward, you're going to be buying books from Jamie, and then that that's where you, that's where Genesis Lesnar will get the profit, is that you're going to mark, because you'll buy those at cost, and then mark those yeah. up and sell yeah. them. Exactly. Um, so, uh, Jamie is getting all of the remaining copies, print copies, and is getting 100% of the PDF sales. But I'm getting the distribution sales functionally. Um, with the exception of IPR, who uh, we're going to be working with uh, for warehousing and whatnot, that's where uh, Jamie's remaining stock is going to be going. Uh, so people will, will be able to buy via IPR at Support Jamie. Um, but for the big distributors, um, I'm going to be working with my partners in, uh, Blackfire Entertainment, uh, Aetherworks, ACD, Universal, and probably a couple others, uh, to, uh, get things to work out. Um, uh, Spiral Galaxy, yes. Uh, so I'll be pushing the products through that channel, those channels. Um, in a way that doesn't detract from Jamie's profits. Um, so, uh, and I, because I am buying these copies at cost, it's functionally allowing all, Jamie to also get additional economies of scale. Because it means that instead of uh, printing a thousand unit print run, um, we can push that up to 1,500, 2,000, or higher, um, by virtue of the fact that we're going to have, we're going to be able to push a lot of that product through um, distribution. So uh, that is the model that we've generally taken, and uh, we're still partway through the process. Um, uh, oh, the other key thing to note is we are paying for all of the expenses before we have any profit. So, um, right now we have a very healthy nest egg. Uh, that is a very healthy nest egg before printing in a world with limited paper and shipping where container ships are lined up uh, four weeks deep 
and are occasionally lighting on fire. Um, where are you printing out of, Jason? Are you printing out of We're not printing out of China. <laughs> because, oh boy, no. Yeah. Um, also, we don't have high enough quantities to warrant printing out of China, even if that was a safe option these days. Um, we had a very successful Kickstarter campaign um, that was around 40k US. Which, for my little company, is uh, very successful and uh, is the biggest that we've pulled off. But it's not at the, uh, you know, avatar we need to print in China because it's literally impossible otherwise. Um, we're, we're, we're probably talking... I, right now I'm thinking uh, maybe around a 2,000 unit print run kind of thing. Um, so, are you domestic? Are you a... Sorry? Are you domestic then? Are you in the U.S.? Uh, so, yes, we're domestic. But the question is, what domestic are we talking about? Oh, because you're in Canada. Um, Sorry. <laughs> I'm in Canada. So, I'm, having, I'm doing all the analysis to determine if I'm printing in the U.S. or printing in Canada. Because that also is wildly variable for a number of reasons. Um, we have different labor conditions here in terms of uh, we've got less labor shortage. The great resignation hasn't happened to the same extent up north. Yeah. Um, our paper availability should theoretically be a little different. Um, but then again, there's cross-border shipping. So how does that work out logistically? So there's a lot going into that. Um, we're, uh, we may go with our partners and our friends over at Taylor Specialty or Bang uh, once again, uh, because they are reliable uh, and they're stateside. So that simplifies a lot of the shipping concerns. But we might instead go with some of our Canadian printers, depending on how the winds blow uh, at that point in time. Um, but it is a, it, it's an interesting challenge with uh, two people from outside of the states uh, on well recognizing that almost all of the audience are in the in the states. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just thinking about that. I was like, oh yeah, Jason is is talking about publishing in the U.S. while not being in the U.S. But I mean, it's yeah. close enough, right? It's like you have yeah. a lot of you you can run Kickstarter, you can work with U.S. companies, but you it's not. Seamless, as, as you... Uh, no. Which I discovered, because if I want to export product from the U.S., yeah. the exporter record has to be an American company. Hmm. Good to know. Yeah. So, I... So, I was exporting one of my products, uh, Sig City of Blades, available now. Um... No, seriously, it's awesome. It's a it's uh Planescape meets Blades in the Dark. I mean yeah, how can you go wrong? But I want I wanna hear uh, how but, I wanna hear how things yeah, so awesome I was shipping to Australia. I'm in Canada, so I couldn't export it to uh correctly to Australia. So yeah. Challenges. No. Uh so yeah, uh I've eaten up enough of our airtime, so uh, any comments, questions, clarifications on this front? Uh, Jamie, is there anything I missed? Uh, no, no, I think, I think that was like a, 
an excellent breakdown of how things are going. So I'll talk about things from Possum Creek Games once again. I'm going to do my best. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, and and also I want to maybe give a brief introduction, I realize, because I was so nervous I didn't properly introduce myself. I forgot to say that I'm from the Philippines. (laughs) So, uh, So that's also part of it. So for those who don't know, there are many people from many countries that can't have access to crowdfunding things like Kickstarter, Indiegogo, all these other things. And so Kickstarter is something that I can't access by myself. Um, and so if it wasn't for being able to work with Jason, Sean, and, and Jay, then, you know, uh, it wouldn't be a thing. And another thing is that even if I had the means to like, we don't have a lot of print on demand things here in the Philippines. And even if we did the, the number of people who are into RPGs who would buy these games are like super small already, right? And we all know like, they're mostly playing or aware of D&D. So the ones who are aware of indie games are even smaller, smaller. Like it's very, like just to put things into perspective, uh, a local convention here for TTRPGs I think at one point we hit 150 people and we were like, oh, wow, that's huge. These are big numbers, right, compared to... So I cannot fathom the thousands that show up in in uh, American or Canadian conventions, but yeah. Uh, yeah, so anyway, with that in mind, with Possum Creek Games, uh, what happened is... So what was really interesting was Possum Creek Games, Wander Home did so well. Like, it, it did such a fantastic job on Kickstarter beyond what... Jay and Ruby were expecting initially that they started to think, oh, maybe we can start working with other people. We can start publishing other indie designers. And so I was approached shortly after Wander Home funded. And it was actually Jamie who was like, uh, Jamie looked at all of my games. Uh, and this is something that helped me as a designer is, well, I don't want to encourage people to write as many games as I did. but. But I do have a catalog of like 40 games, 40 plus games, so that people can like take a it's look a, and maybe. Impressive catalog, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, it's not a coincidence that you have gotten three separate publishing offers. You kind of gave us a wealth of games to choose from here. Yeah. Um, we yeah. each chose games that aligned with our personal brands, like our company brands. Right, right, right. Yeah, and I think that's also what helped is that I've made a lot of games with a lot of different genres and topics with a lot of different systems. And so I think that's, and mostly that was because as a designer, I wanted to grow and really push myself and really experience as much as possible. But that really helped me like draw the eye of different publishers and people, I want to say. And yeah, so Jay looked at our haunt and felt like, and once again, it's like, it's what Jason said. It fits very well into what Possum Creek Games is doing in terms of like found family, in terms of like this nice mix of cozy, creepy, um, and things like that. So basically, it was Jamie who suggested our haunt. And from there, actually, Jamie was like, uh, if you, we'll, we'll just publish it as is. And I was like, oh, no, I want to make a second edition. And I want to, because I've, I've learned so much in, in the past. So, um, Unlike my relationship with, well, I don't want to go into too much into the into the examination at this point, but basically, Jamie was a little more hands off, and it was up to me like how much I wanted to redesign our haunt for the second edition. So the 
agreement that we have basically, and I'm pulling things up right now just to make sure, <laughs> is um, so there was an advance against future royalties in the amount of $1,000. And then originally we weren't going to go to Kickstarter. Originally it was meant to be like, because it's a smaller game. Um, I think Jay was planning to just go straight to to distributors and, and print uh, through Possum Keep Games, through Mixem. But then uh, it just so happened that there was a gap and it, it seemed like our haunt would fit into Halloween really well. And then so Jay was like, let's have a smaller Kickstarter. That's only like, like not the full month. And then let's just, we, we have a smaller go of a five, of that, um, of $5,000. And so we funded in 30 minutes, which is really wild. <laughs> Thank you so much to everyone who's supported our haunt. It's just really great. Uh, but yeah, so basically Jamie asked me first because the agreement wasn't to go to Kickstarter initially, but then, um, so once we went to Kickstarter, then basically the publisher agrees to provide the author with 50% of all profits from the Kickstarter campaign. Uh, and then moving forward, it's 15% of every physical and PDF copy from that point. So, right. so it's up to Possum Creek Games and the different distributors, but now there's like a, so it's a, it's a smaller cut of like 15%, but it's something that's going to build over time basically, since it'll also affect all PDF copies that are going to be sold on the Possum Creek website as well. So I think that's mainly uh, the biggest difference. Also, I, I can buy additional copies. Um, oh, and I also have to mention that another interesting thing was the merchandising because that was something that Possum Creek Games is uh, experimenting with, like really pushing towards the merchandising, which you can see in our haunt. So we have like glow in the dark t-shirts. I, I suggested the glow in the dark part. Nothing else. That was my only contribution. I'm just very part of the glow in the dark part. <laughs> so, but yeah. And, uh, but I'm, I'm doing even less because it's Ruby handling the layout. Um, Jay, who's handling the art direction. Well, it was both Jay and Ruby handling the art direction. So I'm really only working on the game. The only thing I'm doing is writing. I'm doing absolutely nothing else for for our haunt. But yeah. Yeah. So basically that's that's our haunt one. So Sean, do you want to jump in and talk about what we're doing instead and how, how much you're babysitting me? An interesting question there. Um so one of the reasons why I schedule I structured mine in that format is because I didn't want to deal with the logistical nightmare of royalties. Because uh, with our haunt, Jay is still going to have to uh, deal with royalties five years from now yep. and give regular accounting of sales on whatever period that is. Is that quarterly or annual? Quarterly. Uh, quarterly. So, which is perfectly reasonable as a thing to do, but that is additional work that I didn't want to do as a publisher, which is why I set it up as a fire and forget, where... All of the long-term stuff just goes to you. You just get that. And I just get the one, the upfront burst. And then everyone's happy and there's less accounting. So that was an interesting compare and contrast. So uh, in terms of the profit, uh, is that after expenses for printing and shipping? Or is that for like, here's the Kickstarter. You get 50% of the Kickstarter. 
Ooh, yeah, I think it's 50%. Let me double check. 50% of all profits from the Kickstarter campaign associated with the project. That makes yeah. sense. You, you couldn't give 50% of the Kickstarter, but you don't have 50% of the Kickstarter. You know, there's, you spend more than 50% on all the expenses of making the game. Yeah. yeah I mean, which is why I was curious. Like, I mean, it would be, yeah. Wow. So th- this is so cool because I was like, wh- when we got on the beginning of this panel, like we had a few minutes, like tech check, I was like, Hey, Jamie, how similar are the agreements? And he was like, they're totally different. And I was like, I don't think they could be that different. And now I'm listening. I'm like, Whoa, they're totally different. Um, so interestingly, Evil Hat does not differentiate between Kickstarter and anything else. Like we are in a position where we, we, like you said, Jason, like tracking royalties is a pain, but like we've been tracking royalties for at least more than 10 years now for lots of people. So for us, it's like, it's another line item. It's like another person, it's like another royalty track, but it is a pain. Like it is a ton of work. But so for us, there's no, there isn't a benefit to saying like, let's settle the Kickstarter month. Let's settle a Kickstarter thing and then handle distribution and fulfillment uh separately like to us it's just like one it's one big pipeline so um backing up a little bit the process that we kind of went through is originally again like i said i fell in love with Ballion and um made an offer to jammy and the jammy was the offer was um 35 percent of uh of, pr- of proceeds so like 35 percent after cost uh all profits kickstarter and otherwise um and with a thousand dollar advance and um that 35% is, when we offer it, that is variable. It can go up or down by a, a few percent. And a lot of it has to do with, like, what, how much of the finishing stuff uh, will do. So, and the reason, and, and really the reason for that is that, like, my time, so the things we build against the project that we consider costs are the direct accountable things to the, pro- to the project. So, like, printing costs, editing costs, um, uh, art costs shipping costs, things that we can like say, oh, we are 100% certain that this cost was entirely came from Apocalypse Keys. But what we don't put a good set is anything like our warehousing costs or inventorying costs. Cause like that's, you can't, we can't tell. We don't know like which pallets are cost. Like we, we could try to do the math, but it's way too fussy. The other thing that we don't put against it is like any of our internal staff costs. So my, my time, Fred's time, anybody, uh, Tom's time for marketing, like any of our all our marketing, all of our, all of our layout, all of our project management, um, uh, all of our financial oversight stuff, like all that stuff is just like what we do, which is why that, that instead of it basically being a 50% cut, it's like, well, we should split it, but then we need to figure out a way to compensate for like the, um, the unknown costs that we have, like, or not the unknown, but the, the costs we can't like directly ascribe a, a line item to. There could be marketing costs that we add to it. Like, let's say we did like a backer kit campaign during Kickstarter, and it was like, well, for fifteen grand, we can get another hundred thousand dollars of backing. Like, that's what we did with Thirsty Sword Lesbians. And so we talked to April and said, hey, like, do you want to invest in this? It's going to go as a cost on a line item, which means like we will collectively have to pay for it before we make profits. But it's going to be like a huge boon to the Kickstarter, and it was. I think, I think those numbers are about right. Maybe it's fifteen grand to ninety grand, but it was. Backer kit uh, advertising during a Kickstarter was first time I've ever done it was with TSL and it blew me away. Uh, anyway, that's a totally different subject. So um, our approach is that Jamie brings the game and you brought an amazing game and it's fantastic. And then we, I would say like we take it from there, but we take it from there very much as as partners, like very much together. So 
we arranged, we, we brought on Avery as a system uh, consultant to, and, and she, she gave a lot of feedback. Then we arranged a public playtest and set up a Discord server and Nellis playtesting, um, which uh, was actually like really tough. Like, like that was, it was tougher because a lot of folks uh, for lots of different reasons uh, uh, didn't get the game. I, I feel like um, it, it was, it was something where like, the playtest feedback we got was um, really, really difficult to parse, and um, because it was like, hold on, what are you trying to, what do you, what is it you're trying to do? Like, what game are you trying to play? And so it was a lot. It was a lot of both like mental labor of figuring it out, and also emotional labor of being like, I can't read another five page bit of feedback on like why something. Anyway, um, so we handled the playtesting together. Um, then now we're working together as to do revisions, and this is not true of all games. I don't always get that this personally invested in games. A lot of games, I am like I'm the project manager in this particular game. Um, I'm also the developmental editor because I love it so much, and so I've been di- not that I don't love all of our baby like I love all of our games. They're fantastic, but like this one just really really clicked with me, and so Jamie and I. Uh, what he is called the babysitting, which is absolutely a lie. It's the privilege of getting to work with him on the development of this amazing freaking game. Um, are working on it along with another uh, another uh, design consultant, uh, and, uh, and and so we have. So we'll go through all of the revision process, and then at that point we'll have our editor. We'll hire we'll uh, hire an in-house editor to edit it, mark it up. Then uh, Fred will do layout. Then we'll bring our art director into uh, to, to 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 divide the art. And the entire time, Jamie, it, you're not responsible for doing the work, but it's there's a constant consultation. It's like, what do you want? The, you know, what's your ideas for the layout? What's your ideas for the art and all that stuff? And and in fact, when we do art development, the creator is like, they're riding shotgun with the art director the whole time. Like you're CC'd on all the emails, so you know, you'll see all all the orders before they go out and all the sketches, etc. Um, then once we get the game to like text complete, layout complete, art has maybe started, that's when we'll go to Kickstarter and we'll run the Kickstarter campaign, um, the backer kit fulfillment. Um, uh, we'll also be doing the roll 20 integration for us. That's basically become like a standard now. Like we just do roll 20 and that only became possible because Fred basically sat down and was like, I will spend 200 hours learning roll 20 character sheets. Like that's just... I'm a programmer by trade anyway, or he, he, he is a programmer by trade anyway. Like he already knew how some basic programming. So he just like, was like, I will just do this work. And he learned it for, for Thirsty Sword Lesbians and for Monster of the Week. And so now another PBTA game, I won't say will be like trivial by any stretch, but like he has the framework in mind. So we'll build out the Roll20 character sheet and then, which is free. Um, so that's a huge amount of labor, but it's a free product, but it enables the Roll20 module and the compendium, which will which will sell. So when we have the Kickstarter, we'll be able to like offer all of these things. Um, and then in going forward, we will just continue at, at you know until it goes out of print, right? Until until sales don't dictate another print run, we'll be managing all of the printing, shipping, fulfillment, and all that jazz. And my hope is that while we will constantly be asking you, Jamie, to like be marketing it, talking about it in your own circles and like promoting it, like your job at that point 
it, re it really it really depends on how popular it is. If the game isn't popular, which would be a shame, your job is like nothing. If the game is really popular, then your job is like to keep stoking that fire and like think about supplements, think about you know like that sort of thing. But like it's all you know like you don't like uh, you, you kind of engage in that as much as you want. Um, yeah, so that's that's our model. Um, to recap the numbers, because I know that's a thing a lot of people are, are interested in. We're Jamie has a 35% cut of all profits. So, um, and, uh, and that, you know, and we're, we don't know like what size the Kickstarter will be. Um, but, um, but, but we're hoping that like that hoping numbers in the past, looking at most of the week, looking at Thirsty or lesbians, looking at blades in the dark, um, indicate like we, we should be sending hopefully Jamie a big check. That's, 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 that's the goal. You know, once the Kickstarter wraps and once, uh, and, and we'll be doing that quarterly. Um, I think I covered that. Jamie, anything I'm missing on our end? Uh, yeah, I think, I think like something to note is like with each one, like it's such a different scale. Like I'll say our haunt is the smallest game. Once more into the void is a little bigger than our haunt. And then apocalypse keys is like the chunky kaiju, <laughs> the chunky boy. Right. And so I think it really, um is is a is a difference in scale and so yeah yeah but basically um yeah i think i think you covered everything sean yeah i'm already starting to think of like comparing and contrasting the differences yeah. but yeah yeah so a question for apocalypse keys in terms of scale um i'm guessing that you're looking at six figures in terms of what you're expecting out of the kickstarter yeah, I think I mean low low six like six like figures, but six figures. Yeah, like I, I'm thinking, uh, like if we look at our history of our last several Kickstarters, Thirst of Lesbians blew uh, blew us out of the water. We were hoping for like 150, and we hit nearly 300. That was fantastic. That that way expanded beyond that. But like Fate of Cthulhu hit just under. It was like 90 something. Um, and our previous Fate games were a, l a little lower than that. Um, so I, I think we're going to be at the like level of excitement with a PBTA game with Jamie, like Shay as a designer. I think like either just under like in the eighty to ninety range or just over. Like that's that's my hopes. And I kind of don't like saying that because then you put out a goal and be like the goal is fifteen thousand or twenty thousand. People are like what yeah, do you yeah. mean? Because there's that like Kickstarter math of like well what's your goal, which is the absolute minimum you need to like proceed, and then what is it your Open for like what do you think it could do yeah so so i would love to see this be at 100 grand and if it exceeds that like so but like that's where i'm that's where i'm envisioning it right so the one of the reasons why is so um uh, my little press has been doing a terrible job at compensating our internal labor mm. so we uh budgeted for uh the labor of all of our internal resources up front as an expense um specifically because we don't we are not good at paying our internal staff internal staff being jason primarily um so uh whereas you've rolled that into your profit margin because you can't differentiate it between apocalypse keys warehousing versus blades in the dark warehousing uh, which makes sense um so i found that was an interesting difference and i think it's largely because um 
we we were forcing we were treating um, our internal staff like contractors because yeah. we aren't paying our internal staff salary. And, uh, and, and so, I yeah. pay ourselves salary, and it's not a big one. Like I have a day job. Like I I, I don't right, right. you know uh, to anyone who's looking at this being like, so how do I get rich publishing TTRPGs? I don't know the answer to that question. But yeah, we, we give ourselves a salary. And so we kind of like, I'm like, I know I'm getting covered. I know that like, I'm not worried about from all the sales in all of our different channels. Um, uh, you know, uh, I don't have to worry that like, well, if this one game does particularly well or poorly, will I be able to pay, pay myself a month, by the month? But like, that is something that we can say just simply because like, we've been doing this for a really long time. Like, I think... Jason, I think we've got, you know, five or so years on you. And I really think in that, those five years, like, you will also see, as you continue to publishing, like, more ability to just hopefully give yourself a salary. Hopefully just be able to the point where you're just like, I'm doing all this work all the time. I don't know whether it's for this game or this game or that game. But, like, Genesis Legend is just going to pay me because, I'm, because I know I'm doing all this work. And it still won't be worth your time. As a publisher, that's the one thing you always do is you always undercut yourself. You're always like, well... Someone's not going to get paid here. It's going to be me because that is the only ethical choice. But, uh, you know, we've had lots of gaffes where we're like, we had a horrible mess up with the print run on TSL and we just ate it. You know, like our printer covered some of the costs, but we just covered the rest. We didn't push any of that to April because that would not, it's not her fault. Not, not anything she has any control over. It's not anybody's fault, but like, I totally get as a publisher, you have to like cost. But I hope someday that you're just like, I'm giving yeah. Um, yeah, I am absolutely five to seven years behind Evil Hat. Um, uh, so we just we just recently got our second in-house resource. Nice. So we have our in-house editor now, uh, Christopher Rothwell, who's fantastic. Um, he's a new editor, but he's um, very nice and very uh, skilled. So um, we got some questions in chat. Yeah, yeah, we absolutely have some questions. Uh, so, um, yeah, yeah, there, there, there is a growing up stage. Uh, my little company is at the point where we now have enough cash flow that we can do development on future projects sustainably. We have enough flow to be able to work on things later on in the pipeline without having to rob from Peter to pay Paul. Uh, no. All right. So, how questions. Been, yeah. Sending a big check over. How have you found dealing with handling payments and taxes internationally? Oh, good God. Yeah, yeah. I will I will say, I had to tell Jason, Jason, could you please send the money in installments because PayPal will punish me for being a Filipino, right? Like, if I, if I get too much money in one go, PayPal will be like, oh, you're from the Philippines. This is really suspicious, right? So, I can't get, like huge chunks in one go but then that means that the fees and stuff eat more into it but it's the only way i can make sure because uh one time when i got paid for what i did with wander home and it wasn't i mean you know uh it, it was a it was a pretty big amount but it wasn't that big uh paypal just was like no you're now suspicious we're going to shut down your account for three weeks and you're gonna have to send us all this paperwork so it took me like a whole like two months and the whole time they were like saying but we're not sure if we're going to open it up again. So I was really at the point of like where I could have lost everything that was in the account, right? So 
uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that is like a a thing. Uh, but so far, all I have access to that's easy to work with is PayPal because anything else with the banking stuff is just like still kind of a nightmare. Like it's so stressful that I wanted to start talking the Galog, <laughs> like you know, switch to a different language. But yeah, 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 yeah. So it's definitely a thing. Um, but but PayPal is the best bet. But I have to do it in installments. We, we also use Wise, which used to be called TransferWise. And Wise actually uses Let, actually has a smaller cut than PayPal in terms of the, the, the currency. They, they do about a similar currency exchange, but they take a smaller cut. But um, it's such a pain to set up. Like TransferWise is one of those things where if you don't have everything, just like the, the, the bank address, the bank account number, the routing number, the, like every single detail, they say, oh, you can just like send to somebody by their email. But that's only true if they're completely set up on their end. And we have had so many times we've sent money over TransWise and it gets stuck in limbo for a long time and then they bounce it back to us. And so we will use it for international payments because Evil Hot makes international payments like not just in royalty checks. We make them to artists and like we make them all the time. And PayPal is by far the preferred method. And we just eat fees. Like whenever there's like a, a transfer fee, it's never enough. Like, it's anywhere from 5 to $30. And, like, yeah, that adds up, but, like, it doesn't add up to be enough that we're going to, like, we just consider those, like, cost of doing business fees, right? Those, those, are, those are transactional fees, um, and they're just, frankly, worth it because it works, like, with the exception of sometimes you can't send money. Although, we sent huge checks, not checks, huge payments via PayPal to Michael Sands in New Zealand, and because it's New Zealand, you know, versus the Philippines or versus other other countries, like uh, that hasn't been an issue. Those those have gone through, and I'm I'm hoping, Jamie, that like now that you've proved you're you, maybe in the future. But like, I don't know. Do you want to risk it? Do you want to risk the like? Yeah, the yeah, yeah. Because like, it was so heartbreaking when the Wander Home problem happened because I had been getting regular payments through Itchio and Patreon and commissions up to that point, and I was like, and now you have a problem, right? <laughs> like. It, it feels kind of like random, but, but I haven't had problems since then. So hopefully, hopefully like, uh, yeah, it'll just continue to improve. Kira said, I received national payments via direct bank deposit. Um, yeah, the, the closest I've found to being able to send money, like inject money into someone else's bank account is using TransferWise where it goes bank after bank account. But it's, it's again, it's like one of these like roll the dice. Like, it, the money never goes away, but it definitely has gotten held up for weeks where we're just like, I want to pay you. Like, I've sent the money. I, I don't have it. You don't have it. What the hell is it doing? And uh, and most of the time, it does eventually go through, but there's definitely times where we just been like, throw our hands up in the air and set up to PayPal. And so, well, leave the fees. Yep. Uh, so for us, um, yes, we eat the fees, but the we is the entire project. Right. We, we take this on the before profits portion. Because so the, none of us are seeing those fee that fee money. It's just a price of the work. Um, so uh, on a related note, there was a discussion on currency conversions. So yeah. can we talk about the upside of the international agreements for Jamie uh, in that currency conversions? So um, how much uh, does one sweet sweet American dollar actually get you realistically? Yeah, let me check it out right now. American to pesos, because like it goes 
back and forth because we have a very stable presence. Um, totally not a problem. Oh, today's pretty good. Today it's at 50 pesos to, to the American dollar. And so, yeah. And I, and I mean, to be completely frank, that is, this is the main reason why I can do game design full time. Um, because I live in the Philippines. Right. And so it's, it's, uh, it's far easier. Like the American dollar, just like I can stretch it much further. Right. Compared to if I was living somewhere else, but yeah. Yeah, that that's the hope is that like even with even with the like these little like little little fees and things like that, like the the currency exchange at the end is yeah, it just makes it just makes it go further. I mean, and and it's also yeah. what you brought up earlier, Jamie. It's just like even the access to things like Kickstarter, right? Like which you just can't run. So uh, I I think it makes a lot of sense in that regard that like uh, it's it's. You know, we, 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 if, if it was ever possible, like, we want to make people a living wage, right? Like, I don't think that's the route, but, like, we're trying. We're going for it. And uh, it's nice. Yeah, and, right. and that's the thing I love. Um, I, I think that's one of the reasons why these international publishing uh, agreements can be powerful. Because um, the RPG industry is notoriously bad at paying our people. But this is just the bare minimum in North America, um, can, in other places, can actually be a reasonable uh, living wage. Like, I, I, I forgot what time I... Like, there was one point during the Kickstarter campaign where I was saying, yeah, so it looks like you'll be getting, like, a million peso. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I want to say my, my mom has been very worried for me since I became a game designer. And I was like, but mom, the Kickstarter did pretty well. And then she refused to believe me. Right. And I was like, um, yeah, yeah. But actually, this is the first time I've been this financially secure in a long time. Right. Like it's it's yeah. Yeah. So um, ironically, we're in the middle of a panini, but, you know, but uh, but oh, yeah, thanks, Jim. But yeah, but definitely. Uh, yeah, things are things are far more stable than they used to be. So, so it, it's so rewarding to be able to pay people well. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh. Any? Let's see. More questions that we've got. Um. Best ways to uh maintain questions across countries and time zones and looking beyond known designers. Yeah. I mean, I think those are two. Uh, can you hear me? I just switched headphones. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think those are two really, I don't know, very different questions and very big ones. But we've got, we got nine minutes, so let's let's dive into them. I mean, time zones is one of those things where I feel like the the advantage is, and Jason, you tell me if this is wrong for you. Like the advantage is that most of all of our publishers are people who are like we're publishers with a with day jobs, but but also like b with like we're not working nine to five gigs when we're publishing. Like evil hat is entirely remote. We're entirely like I work on stuff at three in the morning or 10 at night or seven in the morning. Like, like we, we are, we can be flexible. So I have lots of meetings with Jamie and my, my evening, his morning. And, and uh, sometimes we do vice versa. Sometimes every once in a while we'll, I'll, I'll get up really early and they will be really late for, for you, Jamie. Um, but I, I've definitely, you know, I think across all time zones, there's there's always some time slot. What I find is the trickiest is when you have like multiple time zones. So sometimes, 
I've tried to arrange a meeting with me, uh, uh, someone in the Philippines, and Fred, who's on the East Coast, and I'm on the West Coast. And it's like, the only time really that works is like 7.30 in the morning for me. Uh, and then like that is works across all the brackets. Um, but I, a lot of it is just like the fact that we're small enough to kind of be nimble and just sort of work with time zones. And, you know, our co-publishers are also willing to get up early in the morning or do, you know, to, to get on meetings. I've definitely at times where we're like, okay, we're here. Yeah. We're the meeting. My, my schedule looks like super busy in the morning, super busy in the evening. And I just take a nap for my brain stuff <laughs> during the day so yeah but for scale i believe that this panel is going on at one in the morning for J poor jammy right um, right it's 1 a.m right now yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um you know the 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 hidden um uh, grace that we've that i've gotten is i am for half the year i'm exactly 12 hours offset from jammy it's awesome i'm like we're gonna meet at eight Fantastic. We are meeting at eight. Yep. Um, yeah, that is, that is very nice. I'm not, I don't uh, have that luxury, but yeah. Right, right. Um, by contrast, I work with folks in uh, Europe or in Australia. It's like, all right, so let's oh, try to figure right. this yeah, out. Yeah. yeah. I love my Google Calendar. Like, yeah, I'm just I like, was hold on. Say, yeah. We agree on a time, but we'll really know if we agree on that time when I send the calendar invite. Because then it's localized and we all know what we're talking about. And then we can go, oh, wait, 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 wait. Sorry, I forgot. We're more different, you know, we're more farther off. I think the next part of this question, though, is looking beyond known designers. Like, that is an extremely important element. And that is something that we, I think, for, for us, a lot of it is word of mouth. So like we work in circles. So I will know, you know, um, I do a lot of like over cross pollination and overlap. So for me, um, Big Bad Con is an event that I personally like in, invest in and it really is value. You know, I think it has a ton of value, but it's also a place where like I get to meet tons of designers and, and gamers. So um, it, it, it's this thing where like, as being someone in this industry, we always wear a bunch of different hats, and you try to employ as many of those as you can to meet people in as many different spaces. And so sometimes that's, well, I go to conventions, or I post a convention, or I you know, do, do these other sort of networking things to kind of keep reaching out to people, and, and, and reaching out to people at all levels. It's not like, hey, I'm this new hotshot game designer. It's like, hey, I've got an idea for a game. Oh, let's talk about it. Maybe a year later, like, hey, I have a pitch for it. That literally ha that's literally happened many times. Right? I've talked to people who are like very nascent. And we kind of get like the ball rolling. And then later on, I see it when it's come further along. But then there's also like working within circles of like, you know, once somebody's getting published or whatnot, like they can be like, hey, I know this person, my friend did this, you know, right? So there's there's like the, these growing circles of connections that we, we hope to just keep building a bigger and bigger bridge uh, to make that more accessible. But it's inevitably, it's some level it's about making that connection. So you don't have to be famous, you don't have to be well-published, well you don't have to be known, but you've got to have like some kind of connection, which could be social media, could be attending a con, con, con could be uh, working with someone, like partnering with someone else who is more connected. Um, but ultimately, like we have to know someone's name before we can, like, before we connect with them. So there's a lot of work, I think, that all of us, sorry, I'm talking too much, all of us put into trying to do that, to try and really broaden our circle. I wanted to specifically give a shout out to uh, Big Bad Con that Sean 
is leading uh, because that did a fantastic job of bringing folks, particularly from Southeast Asia, uh, giving more awareness uh, on that front. And Metatopia is another fantastic opportunity for these kinds of connections to emerge organically. Thank you, um, it's a protect. It's a potential perpetual problem. So uh, we've got a couple minutes left. So let's uh, just let folks know where they can find us and what we're working on now. Uh, so uh, Sean, let's start with sure. you. Sure thing. Uh, I'm Sean Nettner. You can find me pretty much everywhere at Sean Nettner. On well, you can find me on Twitter at Sean Nettner. I have finally freed myself of James of Facebook. Uh, it's gone. Um, you can see all our games at evilhat.com. If you click on the project status page, you'll see most of our announced games, but uh, we have several other games that are in the works. At any given time, I'm juggling about a dozen projects. So even if we're not like talking about a game, that's because we aren't at a place where we're ready to say there's some action you can take. Like you can kickstart it, you can play test it, you can get involved in some way. Um, but yeah, check us, check, check out uh, evilhat.com. Also, if you want to know more about Big Bad, we just Last week was Big Bad Online, and uh, we have all the panels for that uh, up on YouTube. We also have audio versions of them on Anchor, and there's links on the site to that, so you can you can check out um, check out all those wonderful panels that included these two beautiful individuals who were both uh, uh, both on various panels. Uh, that's me. How about how about you, Jamie? Yeah, so hi, I'm Jamie. My pronouns are he they. Thank you so much for everybody who joined us. Uh, I'm working on. Uh, a lot of things, uh, like everybody here, right? So uh, my biggest projects right now are Apocalypse Keys, uh, Once More Into the Void, Our Hunt, uh, Void Walkers, which is a role exclusive, uh, a couple of Brinkwood games. I know I'm working actively on like seven total ones, and I don't want to think about the back burner ones right now. Uh, but yeah, and so you can keep track of my stuff on Twitter at Temporal Hiccup. You can support me on patreon.com slash games. Uh, my patrons do help out a lot to keep things uh, stable as well. Uh, yeah, so that's basically where you can find me. I too have freed myself from Facebook, so it's just Twitter and Sailor Moon Gyps for me. Uh, how about you, Jason? Right. Uh, so Jason Pitt, he, him, uh, at Genesis of Legend on Twitter, genesisoflegend.com or .ca if you want the CanCon. Um, we are working on Once More Into the Void currently. Uh, we just released Sig City of Blades for uh, Planar Fantasy Heist Action. And we're working on a few other products, such as Songfall Survivors, our first expansion for once for After the War, and uh, Fate of the Galaxy, which is currently under a heavy redesign, because playtesting, it's powerful and fickle. Uh, all right, so with that, we shall let you all be. Thank you very much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, everybody. It's been great. Thanks, all. Thanks, everyone. Ciao.